3: Hello guys, welcome to the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. My name's Stephen McInerney, I'm joined by Alex Hilton and Sam Lee. How are you doing, guys?
4: Very well, thank
3: you. Very well indeed. Yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. I can see you both and you're both looking wonderful across the studio. We've got an hour of talk about West Ham, the Carabao Cup final. Don't forget as well, you are new to this, make sure you subscribe as you get all the Blue Moon Rising episodes every single week. Hello there, guys! Welcome back to the Manchester Football Show, show with Blooming and Rising. My name is Stephen McInerney, and we've got an hour of Manchester City chat. We're talking about the Carabao Cup, talking about the potential defensive crisis, and we're talking about West Ham. Obviously, uh, it's going to be a very good uh, show. We got uh, loads of people to talk with We've got Alex in the studio as well. Hi, Don. Steve, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm just so on a heist after the Cowboy Cup final.
1: I know, it feels good to be a blue right now. I'm so excited about the season um, ahead. We've still got to go. Still in the FA Cup, looking like we're going to be favourites of the Premier League. All the Champions League action. I can't wait, despite the fact that we've only got about (laughs) two defenders left in the squad.
3: That will be all right. You can put on a pair of boots. And we've also got Sam Lee from Goal. What are we discussing today, Sam? Oh, wow. I'm
4: hoping to borrow a bit of Alex's energy for the rest of the show, to be honest. (laughs) But, yeah... um, I'm looking forward to looking looking at that West Ham game to be honest because after Pep's little gauntlet throwing down earlier on, it should be a big one. But i obviously plenty to discuss before that
3: yeah absolutely loads to discuss but where else can we actually start other than the Carabao Cup final all three of us in this year were down at Wembley it was an absolutely huge game of football and I want to know what Blues think as well don't forget you can get in touch on one seven six two five, and you can get involved in the text as well on 87711 but Alex I want to know how important was this game now for the rest of the season because that kind of uh, word that no one wants to talk about uh, the quadruple uh, it's, it's been the first box has been ticked off there how imp- Important is this now for the rest of the season? Well,
1: I think yeah, I think it's very important. If you're going to win a winner quadruple, you've got to win every trophy. We're, we're one quarter of the way there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's uh, like, like I think some call it a gauntlet thrown down. You know, it, it's uh, it's a statement of intent. You know, you've got uh, we're starting to win trophies um, more and more and more, and every single one we pick up, there's that culture of winning that you breed into it. And how iconic was that picture that came out? You had um, oh, yeah. David Silva, Fernandinho, Vincent Kompany, uh, it sort of all stood together, go a lot with with the team and. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a spine of legends in this team, of senior players that, that you know, we're gonna, the Premier League will remember it as like iconic greats So that's the team, the, 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 the basis team and they are winning stuff. But what's so exciting is that there's the players that shone for me were the younger players. It was Raheem Sterling scoring the winning penalty. It was Sinchenko playing so well and looking so assured. Um, and it shows the depth that we've got in the team. It shows that we are, we're capable of holding out when we weren't at our best. Throughout the match, that wasn't like a vintage Manchester City performance, but we're still, you know, we, sh- we shot all the way throughout and we managed to be able to um, secure a winning and get our hands on a trophy. And I think it shows that we're looking more and more like winners and we look ready and so fresh to go on and win three more trophies this season. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, Chelsea were good, man. I know this is a season. were show. good, were Chelsea were seriously good. Um, it was going to be a good day for Surrey as well until the unfortunate incident at the end, <laughs> which, to be fair, i mean, I'll, we might talk about Kepa in a bit if we've got the time, but. From the other side of the coin, if Caballero had come on, he could have saved some of them pens. You That's know, we know he what didn't. he's like as a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout. Um, Kepa's dancing around on the line, almost outfoxed Aguero, <laughs> but it outfoxed himself in the end because he dove over it. But, you know, Caballero wouldn't have. And that was, that was obviously a big moment for City. And like you say, it wasn't a great City performance. But, you know, City got control back. I think overall Guardiola was happy with how it went. And, like I say, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that Chelsea, for what they did were really really good and yeah it's another challenge overcome and then when you look at it in terms of momentum Liverpool now struggled to withdraw at Old Trafford really with that ragtag United team what have they got now one win in the last four Premier League games and that's since they could have gone seven points clear if they'd have beaten Leicester so I was in here after the Newcastle game when City lost up there and it was all doom and gloom everyone expecting Liverpool to run away with it and now it's just one point so in terms of momentum and that kind of stuff, it was
3: a big day for City. Do you think there's also something to take from the fact that City got through and it was quite a hard game in terms of, like, they had to show a different side of the character. We all know City these days is this kind of glorious, free-flowing football team. But the fact that they had to kind of dig this out against a Chelsea team that obviously had something to settle given the last time they met, do you think it means a little bit more because of that? You know, the fact that we showed another side to our team? Well, I mean, Guardiola, in the, in the Champions
4: League at least, he's talked about them needing to suffer in games. And- yeah especially in the group stages, because he thinks, I mean, this might have been a lie, and he might have been trying to put a positive spin on it at the time, but he says they've qualified too easily from the group stages, and when they come up against big teams in the latter stages, they don't know how to suffer. So in that respect, you know, they did suffer against Chelsea, but, you know, if, if Chelsea had have had someone else other than Hazard running in behind them, then it, it could have been a, a completely different thing. So there's kind of pros and, pros and cons from the performance, from City's point of view, but I mean, ultimately with the pens and, you know, it could have gone either way, but it didn't. You know, Jorginho yeah. did that penalty, assuming that no one's ever realised he does that. And, <laughs> and, you know, then you've got someone like Sterling with everything that he goes through. And, you know, he, did he miss a penalty at Leicester in the Carabao last season when he tried to chip it and it went over the bar? Yeah. And he stepped up, fifth penalty. He put it in the top corner. I mean, that, you know, that's the kind of thing that you would take as the, the pros outweighing the cons from this game.
3: Yeah, I was talking about Sterling on Twitter afterwards, uh, and I also want to know what people think as well about Sterling's growth as a player. It's MCR Forty Social, if you are tweeters. But to me, that game—it uh, summed up the latest kind of like watershed moment for Sterling because yeah. we've all seen him grow over the past eighteen months, in particular. But in my opinion, there was absolutely no way he was going to stick up for the fifth penalty eighteen months yeah. ago in a game of this kind of importance, with the eyes of the world in, and put it in the top corner. It was an absolutely fantastic moment, and for me, I think it really summed up how far Sterling was come as a player.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. It- it was it was do or die, wasn't it? You know, yeah. I, I, I remember thinking. I that, was, was it?
3: nervous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, so was Carl Walker. Did you yeah. see him?
4: Bloody hell! Walker was behind. You know, all the players oh, yeah, were the lined picture. up, and he was behind. He kind of picked up some grass, and I don't know if he ate it or smelt <laughs> it or something. And then he kind of he just looked dead nervous. And then anyway, he tweeted afterwards. Always social media guy tweeted afterwards. that <laughs> Sterling saved him from having to take the sixth pen. But, yeah, sorry, to, to go back to Sterling, everyone was nervous, when they, big time?
2: Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you, I, you could definitely see it, and I could see I could see the tweets, and I could see the headlines, and mm. I could see the sort of picture of Sterling with his hands on his head. And then before you know it, I was too busy sort of visualising it going over the bar or going wide, and it's in top bins, and everyone's jumping up and down, you know? I think top it's, bins. Uh, and the way that he's developed as a player, and also as a person, and... Um, my big criticism I remember talking about it a couple of years ago was that um, Sterling wasn't a big game player You know, and that was harsh when he was you know, 21 <laughs> sort of like 2021 20, but it felt like when, when we went to play Liverpool and all the eyes were on him he sort of disappeared a little bit and going off to the Euros and you know playing for England and he sort of withered away a little bit and he was still a very young player and the time has grown but he, he is now a big game player and he almost sort of revels in the attention and he's, he's taken ownership of it and the way that he reacted to um, what happened at Chelsea and the racism and all the things yeah. that the press been saying about him. It, he's become such um, an iconic player on the pitch and his performance is a bit better than ever but also as a role model and, and, and part of that is stepping up and being a bit of a leader in the team it, it, and all the experienced players that we've got there. He is still one of the youngest players on the pitch. He'll go, yeah, I'll take the fifth pen. Yeah, I'll take the pressure. You know, I'll take that moment and you want to see that in your players and for all the people, time people call our players mercenaries, they've got an awful lot of character and an awful lot of desire about them and it's, he's such a fun player to follow as a fan. He's such a fun player because he just keeps giving, he keeps giving, and he's more. He adds a little bit every single week.
4: Where do you reckon he is in terms of the best players in the league? Oh, that's a big question.
3: Uh, consistently up there isn't he yeah. I mean well, me, I was the best player in Europe a few months ago I, I, to me he's outperformed Hazard this season yeah. and I say that with someone who absolutely loves Hazard and I think he's probably playing slightly better in terms of uh, relative to level than the likes of Salah you know I think he's, he's definitely up there in the top five not the top three because the form the goals the assists his record is absolutely phenomenal isn't he, he seems to be averaging a goal or assist every single game uh, in terms of form you could make a very good chance to say that he's at the best player in the league at the moment. Yeah. And it's it's very tight, obviously. Uh, but, you know, for me, I can't seem past him, really. I mean, he, he could. He could get Player of the Year. I mean... I
4: imagine that, the redemption of that. Yeah, it, it, what, it would be. Would I don't be. needed redemption, but still. Yeah, um, yeah. well, exactly. And this goes back to what Alex was saying about, you know, the criticism of not a big game player. It feels incongruous to say Raheem Sterling is the best player in the league. People instinctively laugh at that because it's just oh, Sterling. <laughs> like it, it just sounds weird because of like the years of, like, it's kind of abuse and downplaying that he's always had, and you know his first season at City under Pellegrini wasn't great, and and all of that. But yeah, he is now blossoming into. And he's not. He's not a kid anymore, is he? He's no. a, he's a man now. He's grown and as well he, he, as he. Like, yeah. People's expectations are changing, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do think he is up there. He, he may well be the best player in the league at the moment, and obviously. What's going to decide that is how he finishes the season because obviously, City you've got all this mad amount of games. Um, but unfortunately, the PFA voting is in about two weeks, so it's <laughs> probably like going to become too early for that. But you never know if the football writers decide to give it him, that would be reasonably ironic, wouldn't it?
3: That would be absolutely uh, immense. for one person somebody who doesn't vote, <laughs> don't you vote, Sam? No, oh, why not? Are you do not vote? no idea. I, I, I
4: don't think goal are part of. The industry.
3: Oh, get Sam get Sam Hello. on the boat. Hashtag get Sam involved in the <laughs> boat or something like that. I, <laughs> I don't know. Line anyway. Yeah, well there we go. Sam's a like, it's a good bag uh, Speaking of someone who's blossoming absolutely loads, um, it felt like a coming of age performance once again for Zinchenko. This is a man who's been relatively maligned if his performances at left back and for me this was a game where he showed how much um he takes responsibility in his own performances and he showed why Guardiola loves him so much. I'm gonna go back to Sam again here because Sam was at the press conference today and he was so complimentary, Guardiola Zinchenko, wasn't he? He talked about him being a role model. Essentially,
4: Yeah, well, really annoyingly. Um, I asked him about Asinchenko about two weeks ago, expected him to do that. And he just went, yeah, he's all right. He's been good. <laughs> and then he was asked about him today and he just like, flew off the handle saying how good he was. It, was. it was really similar to the Bernardo Silva praise from the Sharka press conference last week. And he said, uh, he actually said most of the players, when they don't play, they show him how disappointed they are the next day, you know, in terms of body language and being moody or whatever. But then when it comes to the next game... They're all smiling and happy and they want to prove to him that they can play. But he says Zinchenko is always, always, always positive, even if he's left out. And he said that is the reason why he's playing so well. So again, in terms of sending messages to his squad, that was a big one again because your play- players are going to be rotated out. They're going to need to come in. If you look at the injuries, which we'll talk about later on, Mahrez, I guess, is going to have to come into tomorrow night to kind of take the burden off people. Sane as well. And as mad as it sounds, and we didn't really expect it. You know, Zinchenko is the role model in that sense. And in terms of not expecting it, I heard last week that obviously we knew he was going to go to Wolves and that fell through. Yeah. Um, and we knew that he rejected it. But basically, Cheeky was, Cheeky was saying, look, I've spoke to Pep, it's all done. You're going to Wolves, 15 million or whatever. And he went, no, I want to stay here. He went, no, it, it, it's done. Wolves Wolves are expecting you there. They're getting, You know, It's all agreed. You've got to go. Is that I, like f- a... I spoke to Pep and he was like, no, I want to stay here. I've got a future here. Are you saying I'm he, he refused
3: a transfer? Like Kepa refused a substitution, essentially. <laughs> uh, yes, that is. I think that's exactly what happened, yeah. That's but amazing. at least it
4: worked out for Zinchenko. I don't know if it's going to work out for Kepa.
3: You've got to love <laughs> maybe not. You've got to love that attitude from Zinchenko, though. I like. Is there an argument now to say that maybe he's potentially sold some kind of left-back problem? Or is it one of those things where he's kind of peaking and he's, he's having this kind of uh, level that maybe he can't reach but to me it seems like his game has changed over the past couple of months
1: yeah definitely I think he's, he's adapted to his role and uh, you know some people will say well people uh, there was a lot of talk over the weekend from both uh, journalists and supporters online talking about how well Zinchenko did consider he's playing out of position but I'm not really sure that he is playing out of position because I think he's sort of changed he's shifted he's adapted and we've seen it a few other times in the league with sort of more experienced players like Valencia at United has been playing left back for like four or five years now and I think it's happening more and more but also no one under Pep Guardiola plays in a position anymore no one plays (laughs) you know even Edison sort of fills in at centre half or right back and (laughs) it's You sort of feel like with Zinchenko that he's he's found himself a little bit, he's found his voice as a player. What I love to see about Zinchenko is you see him dictating to the more senior players uh, despite the fact that he's only played 25, 30 senior games for the club and I think as a left back maybe he has solved that problem. I would love to see us say yeah Zinchenko's going to be part of the first team squad next year and we're not going to go and spend 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 million on the flavour of the month that comes from Spain or Germany or the Premier League and we're going to develop somebody in house and I think The City Football Group has put an awful lot of effort into developing young players and and bringing players through. And it would be really nice now if we set the precedent and we said, look, Sinchenko and Foden are part of the first-team squad and they are serious members of the squad and they are up there for selection. And Sinchenko is a big part of that. If he can make that breakthrough, he could be the first one in this new age that's really made an impact on the senior team. He's won three trophies.
3: (laughs) almost like a like a new alarm kind of project obviously you nowhere near a level You're Kimmich-esque in terms of you turn a player into a different position and to me he really kind of sums up the current spirit of this Manchester City side as well not only is he uh, incredibly hard-working seems like a really nice guy as well it seems we've got a few in the dressing room out that uh, which will obviously help towards that kind of forbidden word the quadruple I know loads of people are probably terrified right now hearing that but to me I want to know really from what you guys reckon on the idea that Guardiola probably starting to consider this as a possibility like Do you think, I know you're denying it in public, and rightfully so, but a small part of him must be high in this, and we can... It is possible, even if he says it isn't. Yeah, well, he's going for it,
4: certainly. I mean, you look at the games, the teams he's played in the FA Cup, and that, you know, that speaks for itself. But when he was talking about Fernandinho being out today, he was like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be out too after the international break. He went, oh, we could risk him against Swansea. What what (laughs) on earth would you rush back the most important player in the squad for for a cup game against a championship team? when you can give him another, you know, the international break, you know, 10 days, give him that off, send him on holiday somewhere, and have him back like proper fit for the proper full real quiz running. But that just goes to show how how seriously he is taking it, and you know, it'd be mad not to think it's possible, because they've got a pretty forgiving draw against Swansea. The only particularly difficult team left in it are United, but, you know, that game against Wolves is difficult for them as well. The Premier League is there to be won. As Guardiola said today, it's in Liverpool's hands, but it's in City's hands too, because they can keep putting the pressure on, they can just be there, be there, be there, keep winning. The other one's are Champions League, I don't think Guardiola thinks they can win it. Um, sure. I agree with him as well. But, who is going to win it? There's no standout. There is, there is no massive Madrid team like there has been recently. So, yeah, I'm sure Guardiola thinks it's possible, but obviously he's going to be asked about it every week, and obviously he's going to say let's not talk about it. But you must think it is because he's really, really going for it.
1: I mean, you, you know the ins and outs of Pep Guardiola better than anyone. You know, better than his oh. wife sometimes. I think so. Do you <laughs> know everything that is to he's some Pep weird God. rumor here? With um...
2: I'm all for it. <laughs>
1: you heard it here first. I've I'm excess munching. I can uh, Neither confirm um... nor deny. But <laughs> There's a sort of, sort of difference in the way... I mean, we as fans talk about the quadruple, but I think Pep probably looks at it differently. And I think from the noises that he seems to make is it's less about the quadruple and more about trying to win every competition. Yeah, yeah. And somebody made a great point um, that we are the bookies' favourite in every competition. If you look at the odds, you the, well, the FA Cup, we are the favourites. The Premier League, we are the favourites. In the League Cup, we're you know, the favourite. So we are there. It's just about sort of putting them away one by one and not talking about winning a quadruple and just winning every single game that we play.
4: Yeah, the the difficulty is there are so many of those games, aren't there? And that that run of, was it, Palace away, Spurs, United, Burnley away, and all the Champions League games in there as well, it's just, are they going to fly too close to the sun? Because they really could do this, but at the same time, if they get a load of injuries, if there's a load of tiredness, it could come back to bite them. But everyone's talking about tiredness now, and look at that video of Aguero in training yesterday, laughing and dancing (laughs) around. He is not a man who looks tired. The rest of them, they would have been tired last season. They've, they're, yeah, to an extent used to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, bring it on.
3: Anyway, guys, we're going to take a short break. And after that, we'll be talking about City's current defensive crisis. They're dropping like flies. No Laporte, no Stones, and loads more to come in the future. We'll see you shortly.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Manchester City Football Social. I am live in the studio with Sam Lee from Goal.com and Steve McInerney. We are talking all things city. Now, moving on defensive crisis are we in trouble Manchester City have got absolutely shed loads of injuries it feels like John Stones is out Danilo is back but uh, Fernandinho is gone uh, Laporte is gone it sort of feels a little bit like we're running a bit thin games are getting thick and fast how are we going to cope Stephen?
3: i um, I'm terrified I'm genuinely terrified. Now, just, to me, it's mainly the Finandino thing. I feel like one of those teams that's lucky to say that our backup centre halves are Company and Otamendi. I know they're injured, well, one of his injuries in particular, but still, they're on a level that most people would dream to have as reserve. So, on that front, given the game's been coming up, I'm not too worried. It's more the Finandino issue. And also, when you combine that with some, I guess, questionable form, for some of the midfielders, which I think is a fair comment in terms of David Silver, and even De Bruyne is not really sparkling yet. For me, it's the Finandino thing. I think mean, that's the one thing that Man City fans largely were terrified of actually happening and it's come to happen, which is going to happen at some point in the season. I think we were all prepared for that, and it's happened again for the second time. Um, I still don't fully buy into the idea that this should be the defining moment. I think, in general, the teams were playing. Uh, we had to play a back up midfield of Gundogan at number six, and then, even then, if we didn't play De Bruyne or Silva, we still play Bernardo and someone like Foda or something like that. Most teams still would love to have that as their second choice, or even their first choice, sorry. So, I'm not going to sulk too much, but it is a concern because obviously these players are absolutely fundamental, especially the centre-backs, because Vinny, you know, he's, he's a bit dodgy, you know, his knees and all that, they're not quite there these days, so you do worry that he could pick up an injury and he could be out for some time, and then after that, who would it be? Would it be Kyle Walker at centre-back? Would it be Eric Garcia getting an unscheduled promotion to the first team? I'm a little bit nervous, personally.
4: Yeah, well, the thing with Fernandinho is he's the shield, isn't he? Yeah. I think there's some stats this season that show that he's had even more work to do this season than last. So for whatever reason, teams are like getting through City's press a bit more, but at least Fernandinho's been there to sweep it up. And then he wasn't there, obviously, against Palace and Leicester, and we saw what happened. And then you think Otamendi's improvement came when he was in such a defined structure that he never really got isolated. Because on the odd occasions he does get isolated, he still chucks himself in, doesn't he? Yeah. And company, once a game, will get skipped past and just stick his big right leg out and trip someone up. <laughs> so if they're if both of them are playing together and they get isolated there there's going to be a few hairy moments for City and I think there's a good chance of both of them getting booked in every game they play until Fernando oh, goes back. Bit, isn't it? But that is if that's what it takes then that's what it takes and this is the situation City are in now where you know the stakes are so high everyone's just going to have to put their bodies on the line. But I do wonder actually if Guardiola might try something different tomorrow. I mean, I've got no inside information about this at all, but uh, the way that Danilo came on in midfield the other day, but it was kind of like Gundogan doing the, the legwork with the passing and Danilo just there for support. I wonder if you might find a way to do that and still keep the attacking threat, but just have a bit more solidity in midfield and a bit more protection for the defence. Uh, I think, you know, given Guardiola, try so many of these different things and this this is such a crunch time of the season. I wonder if that might be a way to get around it because it's it's not ideal really being without Fernandinho. But the good thing is the fixtures are pretty forgiving. That, that fixture list I mentioned earlier about Palace and Spurs and that, if that was now, I think it would be in big trouble. But, you know, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford,
3: Fulham, that kind of thing, maybe not quite as bad as it could have been. I mean, to me, the slight concern maybe is we've got these injury stories. Actually, Schalke because that game isn't over, you know? Like, uh, that's far from, I know we definitely favour Man City off favourites for that, unquestionably. But if you've got an aging, you know, pair of centre backs, one potentially injured all of a sudden, and nothing and Dino's dropping to, that's where I'm actually worried. I feel like I'm with Sam in terms of it, it's a relatively forgiving fixture list. But it is that Schalke game because that's yeah, the kind I of love game. Where- and ultimately, his banned as well, isn't he? He's is like, oh oh, 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 I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that entirely, but... Stick Eric Garcia in. Eric Garcia... Do you know what? I wouldn't be against that, would you reckon?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think, first off, it's the Premier League. So we, we seem to have written off, you know, West Ham and Bournemouth and so on. But yeah, yeah, no, it's These seem to have taken points off us in the past. Um, particularly that Champions League game, you know, we're, we're hoping we might see uh, Stones come back. There's you know, yeah. Fabian Delph can sort of fill in at those points. And, you know, you might start seeing like, Danilo play at right back and Walker play at centre-back at some sort of wheel, cobbled together, makeshift team. With, with Ilkay Gundogan, I think... Um, Hot take. You don't think he is a number six? I think people get him confused quite a lot because he's a, a midfielder that can put a tackle in. Doesn't make him a defensive midfielder. If that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. And I think that um, whilst he's certainly capable of playing that position because he is a very good footballer, he is um, not going to fulfil the same role that Fernandinho plays. So, you know, and Sam called him a shield earlier. Fernandinho. I think he's. I think he's irreplaceable. There's two or three players in the league. Um, you know, the others being like Kante, I think really, is the maybe Matic on a good day. But it, those are the players, there's very, very few of those players that that work the way Fernandinho does. It's almost, you know, like almost like a different position, really. Like a unique, like a midfield sweeper. You know, it's incredible what Fernandinho does. So to try and bring somebody in to replace him, um, like you said, Danilo and Gundogan shared that responsibility. But it feels like running out. And as much as I would like to see Eric Garcia or Philippe Tandler come in, that Schalke game, that's going to be where you find out what you're made of, and it is going to be a men a men and boys game because that's going to be a team that have qualified for the last sixteen in the Champions League that are going to go all out. They've got nothing to lose away at the Etihad, and we'll throw it at them. And they are, you know, we like to write off German teams as organised and defensive, but they, they've got goals in them, that, you know, and they'll push in. And even before that, you know, you look at West Ham; they've got pace in the team. What if Antonio turns company inside out because mm. there's no one there to stop him? Yeah. You know, and as much as I love Vincent and company, everything he brings to the team, he's not the quickest and, you know, he's got <sighs> legs made of jelly sometimes. You think, like, well, yeah, I, it's a bit to worry about. And, and here's the thing is everyone love to say about Manchester City, they love to say, oh, they've got all this depth and they've got they've got two teams and they've bought every player and they've bought the league, but we're a very vulnerable team. And every time it gets to this time of the season, you know, we've been in this situation before where suddenly we're with, with two or three suspensions
3: away. Hang on a minute, we haven't got any players left. Can we moan, though, really? Because we are kind of being victims of our success. Oh, we can definitely moan. (laughs) We can definitely moan. Of course we can moan. We're Man City fans. We can moan. That's what we do best. And that's why I'm proud of us. But yeah, we definitely... I mean, realistically, though, I mean, it's one of those like, oh, well, you're there, Tiny Valley and that, because you've winning so many games. So we're playing this many games because we're really good, essentially. And we wouldn't be having all these injuries if we didn't have this, you know, chocker schedule. So I do share the concerns... But I feel like it's one of those where it's just, it comes with the territory. It's one of those things that we have to accept. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, uh, but it is just kind of life as a top team. And the thing to me is like, I'm wondering now is, should we be prepared mentally for potentially dropping some points? Because you look at the teams, you know, like we were playing obviously West Ham, that they're a decent team. Philippe Anderson's a good player. We'll get onto them more later on, obviously. Uh, they've got Antonio who's had a lot of pace out wide. Um, and Bournemouth away, I don't really share the idea that it's going to be totally easy then. You know, Watford are a decent team we can knock it about a little bit. Can can either you see us like uh, slipping up a little bit in one of these games? Well, it's always it's always possible, but no. <laughs> no, because
4: I mean, look. On the other side of the coin is City. you've got loads of players who are really good and they are fit. Um, like I said, Aguero doesn't seem tired whatsoever. Uh, the good thing is, what well, he scores loads of goals at home, not so many away. But City got loads of home games, so that'll fit together quite nicely. Sane still to come in. Mahrez could even, you know, turn his season around, make the big contribution that he was hoped to make. Sterling, we were talking about earlier. That's just the, the forward line. De Bruyne, we'd like to think, is getting sharper and fitter. David Silva's off-form at the moment, but you know people are saying, oh, it's his age or whatever. But we had that with Fernandinho in the first few weeks of the season and he's been excellent mm. ever since.
1: He's also off-form by the standards of David Yeah, Silva. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and there's Bernardo as well, who is, who's just doing everything at the minute and maybe he'll get a night off tomorrow night and he'll be ready to go again at the How's weekend. his foot, by the way? Well, he, he didn't get mentioned today by Guardiola in, in terms of being injured. Um, not that that necessarily means anything. He did He did limp slightly out of Wembley the other day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play tomorrow, but came back at the weekend and, yeah. and was all right. Um, just because he probably needs as time off as much as anyone else. But this this is what I'm, I'm getting at. You know, in terms of all that quality in the attacking third,
3: that's probably the, probably one of the best ways to go around the problems in defence. Could it Just be? take it to him. Could it be Foden's chance to shine, maybe? Because, I mean, sometimes you get a silver lining where a young player gets a chance. I mean, we talked about Eric Garcia as well. It could be one of those two lads now that uh, steps up. And, uh, yes, the amount of young players you t- tend to make their name because someone gets injured and they get this unexpected chance all of a sudden, it, could it be Foden's time?
1: Oh, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? And I think that one of the more exciting ways of dealing with the problem and, um The lack of players at the back, or the lack of players at the back, would be to go back to Guardiola's sort of plan and policy when he first came to the club of, well, we'll just not let anybody else have the ball and we'll try and have 80% possession. Let's go and play a load of lovely players who can play football. And Phil Foden's one of those. I think between sort of. Uh, Foden, Gundu, and Bernardo Silva for example you've got three players there that are all capable of putting a challenge in, they all do the legwork, they all do the running but also at their absolute best with the ball at their feet and you think well we're more than capable of playing at home against West Ham and playing against Bournemouth and so on and, and having 75% of the ball um, and outscoring these teams which is, I think is my solution to the problem and I would love to see it with the rotation, the number of games we've got surely you've got to see Foden get some Premier League minutes
3: was well, a lot of criticism, actually, from... Well, I say a lot. I definitely saw a sub-sector Twitter who were a bit critical about Pep's decision not to bring Foden on in the cup final, especially as the fourth substitution, because he did essentially put uh, someone who's not a midfielder in midfield. I know Danilo's very flexible and has got years of experience, but a lot of people thought, I even have loyalty to Foden, given the fact that he did kind of help get us there, know, same for Miewicz, but more so Foden in terms of as a midfield player... Um, uh, People were saying maybe that was the chance to, you know, move Gundogan a little bit deeper, bring Foden on. Uh, to me, I can understand this issue with Danilo, but uh, do you think it's fair criticism that, uh, you know, that pep got for not playing Foden in that game? Um, yeah.
4: Um, no, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. no. we splitting um, the studio. That, yeah, that yes was, was agreeing. Um, oh, okay. There's been times where Foden could have come on, but it's like, well, the game was still in a precarious situation, and that game was in a precarious situation, and he... At the moment, well, for a start, he's not a defensive midfielder so fine. maybe he yeah. could have come on further up. But he's talked recently about his defensive side of his game needing to improve, and against Chelsea playing like that on the break, that was an issue. But Guardiola actually talked about it today in the press conference, and whether you want to choose to believe him or not, sounds legit to me. He said he brought Danilo on because he's quite tall, and especially with the set pieces, yeah, you can't have Foden marking David Luiz or whoever. At a Chelsea corner, he was saying the Chelsea players are massive compared to the City players. And he had to think about the set pieces. And that's one of the reasons he, he went with Danilo. And I mean, that makes complete sense. I remember a few years ago, um, you know, I think United got a bad injury and they took off Raphael like, straight away and put Berbatov on. Something like that, just because, purely for the set pieces. And that is a completely legit reason. And yeah, it's, it, it is a bit of a shame for Foden they didn't come on. But this wasn't the game that City were walking in. This yeah. is this was a difficult game. And yeah, maybe could have thrown a bit of caution to the wind. But yeah, the set-pieces, that, that other than the counter-attack, was Chelsea's only hope. And late in the game, those kind of free-kicks happen, So, it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, and also this idea that Guardiola owes Foden something. No, as much as we all to see Foden in a City shirt or get on the pitch, he doesn't deserve a place in the team just because he's Phil Foden. He deserves a place because he's the best position.
3: He's a time. stop in the Esther man, put some respect on his name. Yeah. He's got 15 (laughs) years for that. Yeah, Yeah, he's got absolutely loads. And I think it's fair to say that uh, Foden is going to be a big part of the team. And also, a quick point there, we're actually looking at a, a situation where we've got Danilo as our backup midfielder, a man who's won Champions League and all that kind of stuff. We're pretty lucky. But anyway, guys, that's the end of part two. We'll be back after the break talking Manchester City and West Ham.
0: Manchester City Football Social with Blue
3: Moon Rising. You are listening to the Manchester Football Social
4: with Blue Moon Rising. Plenty still to get through tonight and if you want to contribute you can call us on 0345 text us on 87711 and of course get in touch on Twitter at MCR Footy Social. I'm with Steve McInerney and Alex Hilton but to kick straight off we have got ex-City and West Ham player Mark Ward on the phone. Mark, how's it going mate?
0: Good evening, boys. I'm OK, mate. I'm OK. Good, man.
4: Right, to get straight into this, what's Jamaica what City at the moment? Is the quadruple on? <laughs> Definitely.
0: Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? You know, great results at the weekend. Tough game. You know, come out with a few injuries. But West Ham will be a test tomorrow. I've seen quite a lot of them this season. I was down at the Fulham game on Friday. I've seen them draw with Liverpool and beat Arsenal. So, you know, they've got some dangerous players.
4: Yeah, plenty of cause for concern there. Any City fans listening to this might be... A bit worried now. Um, what what do you reckon is West Ham's biggest threat then going into the game? Seeing as you've seen them so closely.
0: Well, and Alcavitz was on fire early doors, and then he had a problem over it, you know, going to China and things like that. But he was on the bench on Friday evening, which was a surprise. Uh, but he come on and made a goal, and I think he was just saving it for the mm. you know the game tomorrow because uh, he, is, he is a handful and uh, he's the main set really.
3: Mark, how are you um, are you feeling about the idea of like ex city players and managing going back to back to the yeah in terms of we've got a Pellegrini, Zabra and Nazri, how much of an influence on the game could that actually have?
0: Well I think Nazri, I've been told by a good source, we probably start of oh. Um uh, Lanzini's back, he was on the bench Friday, wow. come on, was influential, very, very good play, been out a long time. Uh Lanzini don't i
1: Speaking uh, too obviously with this the end tomorrow, what's the West Ham strategy going into this game? Do you think they're going to sit back or are they are going to get, try and get involved and make the most of nazarin and and so on? Well, I think they've,
0: they've got to be positive because if uh, you sit back, you know, you're there to be shot at with City and I think, you know, with the players that they've got, they've got very, very attacking-minded players so, you know, that was Pellegrini and, and he is quite, you know, uh, he, he's that way and, he's, you know, he's got a bit of stick. He won five on the bounce in December. I know, I know the opposition wasn't great, but uh, at the dodgy January, he got knocked out of the cup. But, uh, you know, the, the West Ham players, we we up for this this, this game because they're, they're playing against the champions and the potential champions.
4: Mark, I'm sure you would have seen the game on Sunday and even if not, you will have probably seen it since. But in your playing career, did you ever see anything like Kepa versus Sarri at the weekend?
0: <laughs> no, the only thing, they come near and it's just come to me now it was when uh, we played Forrest and uh, Gary we had the ball off uh, Dibble's and yeah. I played in that game and <laughs> Howard Kendall went absolutely ballistic uh, <laughs> on the side because right. you know he was blaming Dibbs but at the, at the end of the day it was one of them things and when you look at it it, it is quite funny he was hiding behind him and just nodded it off his hand uh, I don't think Dibbs played much, played much after that uh, he was playing because Tony Cook was injured but Howard uh, was Human, and I think you know something like that. You disrespecting the manager, the club, and your players, and uh, you know, it obviously, I don't think it affected the results because the penalties, City were far far superior in the penalties.
4: Yeah, nobody's really buying the excuses afterwards, are they, about the whole misunderstanding?
0: No, that's just uh, that's glossing over it, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, he refused to come off the pitch, and uh, I think it was a. Yeah. I, said, yeah, was, yeah, I think it was Palace. I'm not too sure. Um, wow, well,
4: Morris yeah, Anfield. Morris Anfield took it off yeah, Jesus. Did, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so you know, I was on penalties.
3: Just before we wrap it up as well, mate, I'm going to have to ask you this question. I know you've got kind of torn loyalties here. Which way do you see the game tomorrow? Which Which way is it going to go tomorrow? City Square head of the game is that right yes
0: yes I've uh, done it a few times really enjoy it. I think it's a fantastic yeah. uh, place to go and uh, you always get looked after
3: Mark you're an absolute hero thanks for calling in, mate and we'll sure we'll speak to you soon oh, no problem
0: thanks
3: uh, don't forget you can check out uh, Mark as well on City Square so get down nice and early before the game so you get him he's an absolute legend but guys let's go on to the actual game then because this is going to be an absolutely huge game of football um, and it's obviously kind of laced with kind of a nostalgia story given the fact that Zabaleta Najri Pellegrini are all returning uh, to they're all playing against Manchester City at the Etihad tomorrow um, and it's going to be a huge game how do you see it going?
1: Well it feels like it should be a charity match with all these sort of ex-players coming back you know it, <laughs> it's um, testimonial vibes, but you know what? I think it'll be a great atmosphere. Um We never really got to properly say goodbye to Nasri as a player and um, Pablo Zableto will get a big round of applause and Pellegrini will get a big welcome. Um And it will be a weird atmosphere, I'm sure, for those players. Because um, I'm sure they'll be rooting for City to win the league, but they're slick bros. And, and as Mark was talking about on the line, there's an awful lot of talent in that West Ham team and they've got a few players there that can hurt you. And on out of it, you offer something a little bit different. We were talking before the break about City struggling for options at at defence, you know, a big physical forward like on out of it, will give it a few issues. And um, it's one to be wary of, but ultimately, you know, it's a side of the bottom half of the Premier League. We've done really, really well this year in terms of just grinding results out, even when it has been a little bit difficult for us on Wednesday nights.
3: And I'm I'm feeling calm and confident. We'll go back to the press conference, because Sam kind of hinted at it earlier, but if you haven't heard, Pellegrini was, sorry, Pellegrini, Guardiola was absolutely on fire in the press conference. He, he basically set himself up for a bit of a fall, potentially. Now, Sam will obviously fill you in a little bit more on this, but he was really fired up, wasn't he, Sam, about this game ahead of it?
4: Yeah, like, unbelievably so, really. Normally he doesn't, normally, like, basically he doesn't write the headlines for you. You know, you've got to work hard with Guardiola, but he was, he was saying today, and Bear in mind that he spent all his time you know, going out in the Champions League to Monaco a couple of years ago, but he was saying, yeah. look, we wanted we wanted to play attacking football, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all about that. He actually said, I don't care about the way we want to play. I just want to see from the players. I want to smell in the dressing room. I want to get that sense that they're ready to to win this title, they're ready to fight for the title. He says they can, you know, forget about tiredness and not have any excuses and all this kind of thing. That went on for about a minute and a half, two minutes, just that in itself. And then he finished off by saying to the press, you can ask me after the game if I've seen anything special in terms of this team winning the title. And, you know, that for for Guardiola is is really rare. So it ties into what we were saying before. Look, there's all these reasons West Ham have got, you know, decent options to hurt City. But the flip side of it is, Guardiola has set them this tremendous challenge of not just winning but putting it all on the line really not feeling like they've got any excuses in terms of tiredness or little niggles it's go out onto the pitch and give it 100% and you know with how well City start games particularly at home yeah, that will be a big big thing for City so yeah Guardiola he has left the players under absolutely no illusions. They need to win.
3: Where do you think this came from, though? Because he, he said it's very rare to get that kind of reaction from Guardiola. Do you think he's just simply motivating? thinking... Is it p- possible that he's seen something there in the players that he thinks he maybe needs to say this to get a reaction out of them? Possibly. Possibly he's thinking, look, after the
4: after the Cup game... Because last year, after the Carabao Cup, they went to Arsenal, didn't they, on, yeah. uh, on the With, Thursday no night? As well, actually. And, yeah, and um Yeah, and... But that that kind of takes care of itself, you know, all the players are focused on a big game against Arsenal away from home. Yeah. This one, maybe they're just, you know, maybe he's worried they're, they're dwelling a little bit on, on the success at the weekend or, yeah, the injury situation or just a bit of tiredness and he just wants to make sure there are no excuses and there are no reasons for this game to go against City. And just maybe he thinks they need that extra 10% or 20% or whatever whatever percent because West Ham, as we've kind of gradually discovered throughout the hour... They've got these really good players who are especially good on the counter-attack. And yeah, I'm sure he's worried about it as much as any City fan is.
3: They're a weird one, West Ham, because they've shown uh, moments this season where they've been really good, obviously. like They're ninth in the table, uh, they thought they beat Fulham, but then they drew at Palace and Liverpool. They got some points off Liverpool against us, but then they also got like tonked by Wolves, they got beat by Bournemouth, but then they beat Arsenal before that. So essentially, they're a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. You never know which one's going to turn up. But they've got the players, haven't they, when you think about it? Like so Declan Rice, you know, Philippe Anderson. They've obviously got the ex-City lads as well. I don't really kind of buy into the idea that this is going to be a- an easy game for It'll be a battle, won't it? Yeah, it'll be a battle. Uh, And given the fact that you've got Zabaleta potentially lining up as well, I'm absolutely... That that tears my heart right down the middle because I I don't ever want to see Zabaleta lose for tomorrow. I want to see him going... You want to see Sane
4: give him a torrid.
3: Yeah, I really do. I mean, how are you seeing this going? Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, and equally, like I think you've just hit the nail on the
1: head there. It's quite easy to go as we did at the start of the hour to go, oh, well, it's just a little old West Ham. Yeah, we can put those away. But then they're ahead of the two places ahead of Everton in the league. And I think if we're coming up against Everton, I think you still think Everton's like a top six, top yeah, eight yeah. side. And you go, oh, that's a big game mm. that is, and you know, and they're, they've outperformed them this season. Um, yes, it, it is. It is tough seeing Zabaleta but Zabaleta's not the player that he used to be and he, yeah. dare I say and arrest me uh, against the Manchester City police <laughs> but he's probably a weak link to be exploited oh, when you Simon Sterling running at him or if it's Bernardo Silva or whoever the pace on our team and um, it'll be a feisty one and they've only won one in the last five in the league West Ham so oh, it's, a, it's a good time to play West Ham and they are a team that blow hot and cold and hopefully tomorrow they're going to uh, most blow lukewarm.
3: How are we all seeing the midfield going? Because obviously, we've got, you know, Nolan and Dino there. There are question marks about David Silva's form and Kevin De Bruyne. And for me, I, I'm kind of hoping that we. I want, I want to see Gundogan take a little bit deeper. I really would like uh, the energy of Foden. I don't think it's going to happen, but I genuinely think there's a very strong case for Foden being involved in because because well, he's going to have boundless energy. Um, I think he'll love it. I think he'll really relish the chance to play some plays that he knows in front of the, the home fans. And I think he'll realise that this could be a big moment for him. So for me, I would like to see that. I can't really see it happen, but for me, I think that would be a really
4: nice twist. Yeah, well, maybe that's the kind of enthusiasm that Guardiola yeah. wants, you know, in terms of saying everyone needs to learn from Zinchenko, maybe look at Phil sure. Foden to, to lead, by, lead by example and come in and show a bit of energy. But yeah, I mean, I can't really see it. And you, you asked about the midfield and I said earlier it was going to be a battle because don't forget for all these good players they've got, who are good at carrying the ball, good on the counter attack. They've got Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass who are going to scrap for absolutely everything. So. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a long night at the Etihad. I think it, it's gonna it is gonna be well you don't want to say a, a potentially pivotal night in the title race because there's eleven games to go and they're all yeah. gonna
3: be like that. But it's. It it's not as easy as it looks on paper it could be a bit of a, an audition as well for Declan Rice you know obviously he has been linked to him a lot and there's always that kind of fear factor when you see players you've got not something to prove as such but they see the links players are aware of this aren't they they all see it and then they tend to like you look at Andrew Bailey as well against City he was fantastic and uh, it could be a chance for him to show that he could be the long term successor to Fernandinho yeah definitely I think you're right it's not
1: necessarily to prove but It'll be a big platform and it'll be one of the biggest games that he's played in as a player today. You know, he's still young and um, those players tend to rise to the occasion in the same way that for Phil Foden. You you know, if he was to start tomorrow, it would be a massive occasion for Phil Foden. You want to see him rise to it and put in a 110% performance. So there's players there to watch. There's things to be nervous about. But you've got a back city. I mean, look at the form that we're in. We've been... We've been immense lately and you, you hope that we're up for it. We use the the win at the weekend as motivation to, after Guardiola's sort of put out his battle cry in the press conference. Let's go for it and let's go all guns blazing. Hopefully we'll be ten nil up before 20 minutes as we have done so many times this season. Yeah, well,
4: Aguero's back at the Etihad, isn't he? So, what, minimum three goals from him?
3: <laughs> <laughs> was, was the yeah. first
4: player to get a hat-trick? It could be the first player, of course, to get a hat-trick in three consecutive home games. Has that been
3: number four? Three, because of course it's probably
1: in, not, as Never in. in the Premier League. I'm sure, you know, there's always one of these back in 1948, <laughs> <it's always laughs> yeah. so on, did you know, it? Dixie, um, Dixie
3: Dean, normally, isn't it? Yeah, Norby Dixie Dean, pretty much the answer to most kind of <laughs> goal-scoring questions. But that, that's mad, isn't it? He's but, had two successive home hat-tricks. Against Arsenal and Chelsea as well, so. nonetheless. Nonetheless.
1: And also, City... Um, have uh, they've scored at least two goals in their last fifteen home games?
3: Yeah, so it's normally hard. a bloodbath, isn't it? So
1: it could be. Yeah. It, it
4: it could just be a, like, a really good game tomorrow night. Just yeah, that'd be nice. Wouldn't a wouldn't good there, game too. to watch, mm-hmm. but. A lot of goals, and get, go and send that message that Guardiola wants, and you know send
3: it to Liverpool as well. I can't really see Pellegrini actually sitting back as well. Weirdly, I think they'll take yeah. um, a kind of uh, aggressive take to the game, and I think that will actually play into our hands. But also, they'll probably see the fact that we have got tired players, and we see the fact that we've got you know something approaching a second choice defensive lineup, and No Fernandino. I think they're going to go for us. It could be one of those kind of classic Keegan kind of games where we just got to outscore them, really. And on that front, to me, that shows that we probably should play the likes of Sane, uh, you know, with a bit of pace down the wing. Manchester City Football
0: Social. Hold
2: up.
3: Thank you very much for listening to the Manchester Football Social with Blooming Rising. Don't forget, if you want to catch every single episode of this, search Manchester Football Social, uh, Man City Football Social, even on your podcast providers. You can get every single episode delivered to your phones, your, your laptops, whatever else you listen to. Them. Guys, my name is Stephen, Alex, and Sam are in the studio. Guys, to say goodbye. Enjoy, right, guys. Goodbye. And we'll see you soon.